So our mission statement is saving the world from boring, broken marketing. And B2B marketing is either boring or it's broken or it's both. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast, I get to speak with Eric Holtzclaw, and he's a visionary, an idea guy, and serial entrepreneur with expertise in tech and marketing. And Eric's more than 25 years of experience has made him a sought-after Fortune 500, Global 2000, and mid-sized companies. Today, Eric is the co-founding partner and chief strategist at Liger, where he's able to combine his three loves, business, technology, and people. We're going to talk about all kinds of wonderful things, so stay tuned for that. But now it's time for your Marketing Essentials Moment, the basics that you need in order to continue to help you build your brand and your bottom line. This week's topic is about getting on business listings. And it's not super exciting, but it can be pretty important because your customers are going to be looking for your business. And so being listed in directories are some ways for them to be able to find you. Think about the old days when we had a yellow book, you know, yellow pages, right? They would look up in the yellow pages and they would find you. Well, online business directories are other ways now for people to find your business. And if you can get yourself listed in the directories, especially on Google and do Google business listings, you can also do Yelp and other business listings that can be beneficial to you. There's all kinds of them, but there's, let's think about ways to be making sure that you're going to be in the top of the listings when people are searching for your business or your type of business or using keywords. So think of other things like Angie's List or formerly Angie's List. It's just Angie now. Glassdoor, your business can be on Glassdoor if you're, especially for your recruiting, you can be listed on the Better Business Bureau. City Search, MapQuest, Manta, or Manta, I'm not quite sure how to say that. And then Bing, being local, a lot of people use Bing. And of course, Yellow Pages online is another place to be listed. Merchant Circle, Super Pages, Yellowbot, Yahoo Local. There's all kinds of different business listings that can help you get better ranking because now you're getting backlinks to that listing and make sure that you claim the listing and review it. And if you don't, sometimes people do it for you and they may have wrong information, right? They might have putting your office or business hours in wrong, or the phone number is wrong, or the location is wrong, especially if you've moved locations. Trust me, I know that one. You have to make sure that you update the listings if you move and, or if you're a new business, get your information in there, claim your listing. Sometimes they do it by mail to verify that you are in fact where you are and and that you can have that listing there. And just make sure that they're accurate. So go and Google search your brand or your business name and see what's already out there that maybe people have already done for you. (laughs) And then you can update those listings. You claim the listing as the owner 
And then that way you're making sure that all of the information that's online is reputable and accurate and correct because we know that consumers would want to go online to find your information. And if your hours of operation is listed or maybe even your business is listed as being closed, even though it's not, right? There's lots of things to look at. So go online, search your business name and see what comes up in the search results. Use different platforms, use different browsers because different things will come up on different browsers in different ways, whether you're on Safari or if you're gonna go look on Bing or you're gonna look on the different platforms that are out there, right? Google Chrome, all the different engines are gonna have different ways to present your information. So go search them all (laughs) and see what comes up and make sure that your online presence is intact and that your listings are what they need to be. And it'll also help you with improving your local visibility when people are searching for you and it'll come up with search results that are more enhanced and maybe even those directories that are listed first. People will look at those directories before they'll look at the organic sometimes. So making sure that If your goal is to attract new customers, be where they are at. If they are looking for you online in those directories, be there. So that's your tip for today. Now let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition community. And today's guest is Eric Holsclaw. He is with Liger. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. And so, Eric, let's just share more about you and kind of your background and sort of the history of what got you to where you are now in Atlanta. Uh, Tell me more. So the short story uh, is I'm a recovering technologist. So early in my career, I ran (laughs) development shops. And then for a period of time, I owned a research company. And in 2012, I sold my interest in that research company, swore I'd never start another company. And then I accidentally (laughs) started a marketing firm back in 2018, I guess. Uh, So yeah, and now I've got Liger. Liger's primarily a B2B marketing firm. We work with... uh, companies in more boring industries. So financial services, insurance, um, med tech, some SaaS companies. So if it's a long sales cycle, relational, those types of things, that's a really good fit for us. We don't sell um, soda soda pop or t-shirts or anything in those categories. We really are working on things that kind of take six to eight months to sell. uh, And there's a long kind of cycle of education to get the customer to make the purchase. So Eric, you you said that you were an accidental, uh, you accidentally started. I want to know more about that. Because what, what, how, how do you accidentally start something? Uh, Tell me more. <laughs> so in 2012, I sold my business. And earlier in my career, I can either be the guy or I can be the guy who assists the guy. So I'm comfortable in either one of those roles. <laughs> and so in early in my career, I was kind of the guy who assisted the guy and made him successful and all that kind of thing, or gal, either one. Uh, and then when I did the research, right. com- research company, I was the running it and making sure it was working. 2012, sold my business and was going to try to find a business to go run. So I was like, I'm going to go find one. I don't want to start it from ground zero again. I've done that before. And so I was hired by a bunch of people to be their kind of right hand. And I would come in and operationalize their business and kind of get it running. And while I was there, they would be like, hey, so our marketing department isn't running very well. Would you take that over and run it too? And I'm like, sure, right? Because I've done 
I know marketing, I understand technology and people, which is really what marketing is nowadays, like being able to get the right message in front of the right person. And so Mm -hmm. I would get their operations working and they'd almost kind of give me the side look of like, why are you still here? And I'm like, well, do you remember that hot mess I walked into 18 months ago? Well, I cleaned that up. So you don't need me to do that anymore, but they'd want me to continue to run their marketing department. And so at one point I had like six different companies that I was running their marketing departments for. And I was on the way home about to sign number seven. And I've got someone who's worked with me for like 10 years. And she was like, Eric, you have like seven jobs. This is ridiculous. Uh, she's like, you gotta, you gotta realize this is actually a company. I'm like, no, I'm not doing another company. She's like, you have a company. You're just not recognizing it. This is exactly what you would tell yourself. (laughs) And so I, yeah, I was resisting the only advice I'd give myself. Right. And so my, I took my company and merged it with a company that was doing a lot of my execution on the back end, which is how we ended up forming Liger because Liger is a lion and a tiger. So two strong animals formed into one. It's also based on the movie Napoleon Dynamite. So it's his favorite animal, right? And so- uh, Dude, you some tater tots, man. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm actually, one of our conference room is named Tater and the other is named Tots. So that is we- No way. Absolutely. So yeah. And I'm in- in Preston, Idaho, where I'm from. Not, okay. not from that city, but I'm from Idaho. So yeah. I'm definitely, I, yes, the Liger. I love it. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that, that's very strong within our corporate culture. So there's all kinds of Napoleonisms and things like that, that we use kind of throughout <laughs> the company. Um, we've got a, a conference system we call Tina, you know, all kinds of things like that. But okay. anyway, uh, I never intended actually to vote keep for the Pedro man. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's vote for Liger, not vote for Pedro, vote for Liger, okay, but whatever. Gotcha, yeah. Gotcha. There you go. Uh, so we, gotcha. um, yeah. Go. So my intent was to sell this business to another company. And it was during the period of time that the tariffs had been put in place and that negatively impacted that business. And so they really weren't in a position to absorb it. And so oh. I ended up just standing it up right before the pandemic happened. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. And so then I carried it through the pandemic and then we fed all the other stuff. So, you know, some people have accidental children later in life. I had an accidental company. So I now have, have <laughs> lots of, it. lots of children and things like that, that <laughs> uh, I'm responsible for. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, good for you. I think that's a, that's a fun story. I love origin stories and how people come up with their names and, you know, all the things like Pepper Shock is my, my maiden name is Pepper Sack. That's where that oh, comes nice. from, right? And it like comes it. from just different, you know, everyone's got a story, right? That's, that's kind of good for marketing. It is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you told me cause like, so correct me if you're, but you're red, are you, you are redhead, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, strawberry blonde, but strawberry you know, blonde. It, okay. Cause I thought it kind of came from maybe that. It could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we originally, our logo was red for red peppers, but then I thought that was just too obvious. So yeah. now we have an orange pepper and orange means refresh and renew and, you know, been doing this for 20 years. So when it came time for a rebrand, we wanted something fresh and new. So it, nice. it was very fitting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just re redid the Lager brand in the last year and that's a, can be a, a long process. Yes. And is and orange is your color too, yeah? It is. We wanted I really if I was gonna do a marketing firm, I've done so many different companies and you know, everybody picks the boring blue yeah. and the whatever. I was like, if we're gonna do something, it yep. needs to be fun and it needs to be vibrant. Those are my two requirements. Exactly. That was yep, vibrancy is is key for sure. And it's memorable, right? People yeah. wanna mem- remember what it is that you do and who you are, and that's the important key. Excellent. 
And I see those of you who are listening, you can't see this, but I do on behind him. He's got, it says the claw and it's orange. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wait, what is the claw? What does the claw mean? So the claw is my podcast. So I do a podcast called the claw and since my name is Holtz claw and claw leans very well into Liger. So we just call the podcast, the claw and that way it, uh, it kind of works on both sides. It works for my personal brand and also for the company. Uh Aha. You got to get your claws in. That's right. <laughs> I like it. Exactly. So, <laughs> so tell me kind of what area, I mean, you said you are kind of in the boring space of B2B, but what specifically do you think that your agency, what Liger does best? Uh, and I know that there's, you know, an evolution, especially through pandemic and things, but if you said, what was the one thing that you focus on and do best for your clients, what would that be? So I'm going to answer it sort of in two parts. So our mission statement is saving the world from boring, broken marketing. And B2B marketing is either boring or it's broken or it's both. And so B2B marketing doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be broken. So that that's our mission statement. We end up working with a lot of companies that have gone through M&A. So they bought other companies and they need to merge the businesses together. So they need to understand what marketing ecosystem are we going to use moving forward? Which brand is going to be the primary brand? How are we going to, you know, message this to our customers, those types of things. And a lot of agencies, and we don't call ourselves an agency. We, we intentionally call ourselves a marketing firm because uh, we're not looking for gotcha. a company to give us a brief and come back with a creative idea and then implement it. We want to partner with our customers and help them get through what are typically very messy situations. So I know I'm talking to an ideal client when they say, we're very, very messy. I'm not sure you even want to work with us. We're going through all these like mm-hmm. changes within the company. We're not even sure what marketing is. We don't have enough people to do the work. Love it. That is our ideal client. So that's someone that we really want to go in and become part of their organization, supplement what they're doing, help them work through that mess and organize it. And if you kind of hear my origin story, right? Like I'm, I'm operations at heart. And so I like to go in and like make start things start working and then kind of let them put them in the water and let them run. So taking them from a hot mess to success. Love a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. I may steal that. Hot mess to success. Totally. That is really nice. I like that a lot. Hot mess to success. I just came up with that. That's, I'm in marketing. So, you know. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, there you go. Hashtag that, right? Right. Exactly. That's great. Yeah. And you're right. I think that a lot of businesses can have broken systems and and if they don't even have a system, it's certainly broken and boring. So thinking ways to make things not so boring, that is definitely a challenge. And, And especially in today's world, because the types of audiences that you're wanting to attract Right. They, the, the insurance, the financial, the, you know, those types of businesses, it can be boring. So finding ways to, you know, get out there and disrupt and, and, you know, connect with them and and do the things that you're doing. Can you share maybe a success story of a client that you've worked with that went from a hot mess to a success? (laughs) Yeah. So they're, they're featured on our website as one of our case studies. So there's a company called GenCap and we've worked with GenCap now for six or seven years. And we started in one of, we, we were working with a minor company that was one that GenCap ended up acquiring. So we were the marketing firm for that company. 
Um, there was a company called Risk Innovations, and then they were purchased by GenCap along with like 17 other companies in really rapid succession over a two or three year period. And so they needed someone to come in and look at the brand overall, merge all of those brands up underneath GenCap, make sure we didn't lose any of like the organic traffic that they were getting. Each each one either went after a specific type of insurance, a certain region, those types of things. So we built the way that that could all be pulled together underneath this one umbrella, what that marketing ecosystem would look like, you know, how we could make sure we retained all their organic traffic, build anything on top of it. So it's a great success story. It, it flexes all of the Liger muscles. So sometimes we're brought in to just, you know, take care of a some immediate problem, like they need a go-to-market strategy for some part of their brand. And so we'll take that piece on and you know, really own it. But across that organization, and we have a, several others in our portfolio who are very similar, but that's one that, that we're very proud of. We really enjoy working with them. And yeah. our intent is not to be partnered with a company. We want to become part of the organization. And we really yeah. do feel like we're part of GenCap and their success. Very cool. And Eric, how many people do you work with on your team? So we have about 30 full-time ligers. So we do, we have liger ligers and liger giggers. So we're built like a bow tie. And so there's 30 that are full-time like W2s who you know manage the accounts on a regular basis, kind of consistently doing things on behalf of liger. And then we have a, a base of liger giggers, which could probably be at least that size or larger that have areas of specialty, yeah. right? So like someone who may be a very good storyteller for video or does brand identity for a specific type of brand. And we bring those people in, which our clients then don't have to worry about it, right? Like we're making the decision as to who we should use to make sure that they get the best result on the back end, And they're not having to go to market for all the different resources. Cause you know, I mean, there's like 25 different skill sets in marketing. It's not one thing. Right. And so right. you need yeah. to introduce the right person at the right time. You'll find companies who are using a very expensive designer to do production work, which is just a waste of your money and a waste of their talent, right? So like, how do we mm -hmm. use people for the the right part of the ecosystem? Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, we definitely have worked that way too. We're, we're either white labeled for somebody else that bring us in or vice versa. We've had other people. I like how you called it the Liger Giggers. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love all the iterations of, of you know, alliterations of the words. So it's fun. <laughs> Uh, okay. So tell me, did you, during the pandemic, I mean, everyone's kind of shifting to different ways of working. Do you have a physical space that everyone comes to work? Or are you hybrid situation or what's your world? What's your working world like these days? So, so interestingly, I've worked remotely since 1997. So I was like an OG in wow, that category. Okay. I had a home office that was set up. <laughs> I was working for a Silicon Valley company and I was in Atlanta and I was on airplanes all the time. So they just set me up with an office. And at that point it was DSL. So I had a DSL line into my house. Right. Um, so I've always oh, yeah. been very yeah. comfortable with this kind of hybrid environment. So, but I've always... Good. I do like collaborating with people. I do think we get better, you know, work out of strategy meetings that are in person, those types of things. So... Mm -hmm. Again, it's kind of funny, like you talk about like accidental, like I accidentally started this company. I also never wanted to have office space again. I was like, I've had office space before. Mm -hmm. I built it. I've done it. Blah. So we were going to just build out a co-working space. So we were in a co-working space when the pandemic occurred 
And while that felt like it would be good, it was actually harder to work with the co-working space than it would have been to have our own space. They were very restrictive in how we could use it, what we could do with it, those types of things. Mm -hmm. So in 2020, I signed a lease on space for our company. So we have a space that we call the Liger layer and it's set up. It looks like a hotel lobby. So when you walk in there are couches and we have booths and we have all the things, we have a big, huge kitchen. We have conference rooms and co like that kind of thing. So people will come into the office to collaborate with each other and work. And we you will bring in, but half of our companies in Atlanta, half's all over the U.S. So we're kind of a hot mess in that category, right? Um, but the Liger layer is where we centrally bring people to to do things and get things done. And so it's it's a mix. It's a mix. When you said booths, I thought you said booze. Booze. We do <laughs> like, have booze in, too. You know, we do booze, have booze. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> no, we have that too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. 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 We got that too. Yeah. So that's good. But we got booths, <laughs> booths with booze. booze like in, uh, <laughs> places to sit down at a booth. I got you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But the, no, there is a lick, there is a liquor cabinet. So yeah, that's too, completely true. So yeah. Oh, hey, it's, it's all good, right? Uh-huh. It's yeah. liquid courage. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Well, we do a thing. Well, we do things called Funlandia. So when we get done with doing a discovery session, we'll have Funlandia, which is two or three hours of oh. us just coming up with like how we're going to take something to market. And those often work better in the afternoon with a little bourbon. Like, let's just be honest, yeah. right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Atlanta. I remember when I was there, I had a fun time. Definitely. <laughs> there was a really cool uh, speakeasy that I got uh. to go to that was like, invitation only in if you only have the phone number yes and it was like the phone booth that opened up i know where you're talking about yes you do okay yes and um i thought maybe it was super exclusive but maybe not by now i know know, i know where it is i don't know that i know the phone number but i know where it is so i know what you're talking about i got i got the phone number buddy it was so much fun though i mean and like all the drinks were like you know, mint juleps and the, and the, and the staff all dressed up as though it was from the, like the, you know, the roaring twenties and during prohibition. Right. Yeah, and they yeah. had like, um, it's old time, like cigar lockers and, and they had, um, just, it was so cool. And all the old like memorabilia and it was just like a nostalgic place to go and, you know, the music from the time and, oh my gosh, it was so cool. And, and you had to, and, and if you didn't know about it, you would never have known oh. because it was like this old phone booth. Right. And the door behind where the phone is, it like opens up the booth and that's how you get in. Yeah, right. And yeah. so you have to call the phone number on like this old rotary dial phone. And anyway, it was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of booze anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's super fun. And I mean, Atlanta, obviously that it's, you know, that is such a hopping, like happening place to be in Georgia and the film industry too is like, uh, cause I also will produce documentaries and, and do things. So I got to go to, um, some, some film office kind of things that are going on there. So just a, it's a really fascinating era. And I, like I mentioned earlier to you off camera here, I was there when the new stadium was being built. Yeah. Well, well, not as new now, but, um, it's just lots of, lots of fun things going on in Atlanta for sure. Huh? Uh, true. We don't, we like everything to be a hot minute old. So uh, <laughs> we're building things all the time around here. <laughs> if it's old, we'll knock it down and put something new in place. But yeah. <laughs> 
okay, well, what's your favorite sports team since, you know, you've got access to a lot okay, of them Okay, <laughs> so that's a good, so you're asking me a funny question. So I'm not, really wasn't very much of a sports person, uh, but I married uh, someone who is very much an Auburn fan. So we, of course I'm in the Uh South and so football, SEC football, like that's what we do. Right. And so, uh, she, (laughs) she converted me to an Auburn fan because I didn't really have an SEC affiliation. So if I were to pick Uh one that I kind of understand and actually care a lot about, it would be Auburn. Um, I am one of those fair weather Braves fans. So if they're doing really well, I'm like, yay Braves. And if they're not, I'm like, who's that company, (laughs) that team that plays for Atlanta? I have no idea. So I went to an Atlanta United uh, game several months ago and somebody told me it was a good game. So that tells you how much I understand about soccer. Cause I was like, oh, it was, <laughs> I have no idea. I was there for an hour. I, it was fun, but I don't know what was happening. So yeah. What about you? What's your favorite sports? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of a toss up and it's hard, hard because I like two football teams in the same division, which is always a, a, a difficulty, but I, I like San Francisco 49ers. Okay. I actually in high school got to go play in marching band okay. on yeah, yeah. the old candlestick park. So that was always kind of a fond memory to go see Joe Montana. And yes, I'm dating myself, but that was a long time ago. Uh, and then I also lived in Seattle for some time and um, boomeranged back to Idaho. And and so Seahawks were also, um, you know, a part of my life as well. So yeah. uh, it, it can get kind of, you know, up for debate when they're both playing each other. But <laughs> <laughs> too funny. Yeah. yeah. So football is a good one. And then um, I'm going to soon be a big fan of Southern Utah University because my oldest boy is graduating and going to play football at SU. You, oh, congratulations. Uh, and they're the, the, uh, T-Birds. Okay. Yep. Yep. Congratulations. The Thunderbirds. So yeah. yeah, uh, I will learn quickly. <laughs> yeah. My daughter went the path of art. And so we learned a lot about art and the whole, which is its own little subculture uh-huh. of which colleges and, uni- well, yeah. there's not university yeah. colleges you go to what you do in that category. So, uh, so I, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a changing world around here. We've got graduation coming up and graduation parties and project graduation and all the things happening, which oh, it's, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> and now a message about one of our sponsors, I Buy Direct. I Buy Direct is an online retailer of prescription glasses as well as prescription and non-prescription sunglasses. It's really cool. You can even try on the glasses through virtual reality and see what they might look like on your face. It's awesome. The best part is you get $10 in EBD credit just for creating an account. So you can use them on one of these offers, either 15% off plus free shipping or 25% off your frames or 50% off lenses or on designer brands. Really, it's awesome. Go to peppershock.com offers and get yourself some prescription glasses or sunglasses. You will need your prescription from your doctor, but it's really easy to do. You can just fill it all out and then they send them to you in the mail. It's awesome. So go to peppershock.com offers. Go get those glasses. Okay, so let's let's kind of dig into a little bit more. Um, you know, we're on a marketing journey. We've talked about some of your client successes and, and things, but I like to also ask about some tools and resources. A lot of marketers are listening to this podcast. And so I'd love to share maybe some things that you do to stay on top of the industry that we're in. Uh, maybe there's other podcasts that you listen to or uh, maybe some books or resources or newsletters, things that... Uh, people should know about that you absolutely love and you're religious and following or reading or listening to. 
Yeah. So I am, I told you I'm a recovering technologist. So I really spend right. a lot of time yes. with disruption. So I like things that are being disruptive in the space. Uh, so right now I'm spending a lot mm-hmm. of time understanding kind of what AI and machine language, machine learning means for yeah. all of the stuff that we're doing, yeah. where it enhances the process along the way. You know, we're moving into what I consider a, a period of curation not creation. So we've been Mm -hmm. creating things. Mm -hmm. Now we need to curate them. So like you've got something that can create it for you. Um, So I'm very up on all of that right now. Like if you were to ask me maybe previously within research, I mean, I was always reading Malcolm Gladwell stuff because I love all the psychology and those kind of things behind the scenes. So I like marketing adjacent stuff. So like research and psychology or, you know, kind of new tech and whatever, because all of those things in some way are going to be applied into marketing. It's going to be mixed in. So those are like going to be the recipes that you Mm -hmm. kind of play with. Right. So I I don't spend a lot Mm -hmm. of time in traditional like marketing conferences or those types of things. Cause I kind of feel like often we talk to ourselves. I like to go where my clients are from an industry perspective. So like FinTech companies, you know, they have big conferences yeah. and I'll go hang out there and see what they're doing. And I heard the most amazing story from a credit union at one I went to a couple of months ago about how they're using AI to improve both their internal communications. So they saved like 2000 employee hours just by putting an AI chatbot in place that knew how to like give people what they needed to do next. And then they built one on the front end of their credit union uh, system that answers people's questions and they don't have to call and talk to an agent. So yeah. I like to lean forward and look at what's next and then experiment mm-hmm. with how we can apply that in and then enhance what's happening in marketing. Marketing where it's typically thought of as like a lean forward practice, because I work with a bunch of B2B boring companies, they are behind right? Like they literally mm-hmm. might've been using fax machines two or three years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. And That's so, still broken. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. And so how do we slowly start to introduce and try to at least keep them somewhere by, you know, if they're not going to be ahead of the yeah. curve, not so far behind on the bell curve to get them to right. adopt new things and really see the benefit of what you and I might consider a tactic that's been around for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that. We have a client that was still using Internet Explorer. Like, I mean, like they had to they had to upgrade because they were no longer going to support it anymore. That's how old of a (laughs) version they were still on and like mind blown. Like what? Yeah, I had a client ask me, told me the other day, they're like, it's not working on Firefox. And I'm like, and Uh, yeah, (laughs) and (laughs) Firefox is no more. What, what are you trying to tell yeah. me? I sent them like a snapshot of like world usage of browsers. I was like, mm, yep. do, do we care? Like, yep. Do we care? So. <laughs> yeah. No one is using Firefox. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good though. That's why they need people like us to help educate them and bring them into, you know, the next century sometimes. Yeah. But right. uh, I get it. No, because sometimes what's old is new. It yep. does recycle and refresh and become a new again. And I love what you said about we're now curating, not necessarily creating. Yes. And that is, that is, I mean, you've hit that right there because it is where now it's, 
gathering all this data and information and trying to process it and see what it's going to mean to you. And I mean, it's one thing to have it, but now how do we use it to our advantage and, and make things better and continuously improve? And, and yeah, it's, it's definitely, I love that curating instead of creating. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Very much so. Well, if you Are there any favorite AI tools so far um, that you've tapped into that you're using or exploring? Uh, I mean, there's so many, I think I pulled a list 179 different AI tools that agencies oh, yeah. can use or forms can use or marketing, you know, tools. And, and there's just so much, but is there anything in particular that you're like, Oh, I want to investigate that tool more, or we've used this tool before. Yeah. So I'm because of where I sit. So I do, you know, do research and work with my clients and do a lot of writing and things like that. I mean, I don't need a lot of the very sophisticated AI tools. We have AI tools being used throughout our agency to do things like we used one to improve the audio on a clip that we thought we had lost. So we had like a client bring people in mm. and two of the audio files weren't good and we ran them through an AI tool and it sound they sound pristine, like exactly like they were recorded the way they were nice. should. Those kind of stuff is so amazing, right? Like, cause they were sad. We were yeah. sad. We'd spend all this time to bring this expert in. Some reason the audio wasn't just sounded terrible, but you know, and what was that tool? That's a I don't tool. remember. I'll have to look it up and give it to you so we can put it in the notes. Like there, there's a tool he was going to talk yeah. about. He doesn't remember what it was, but yeah, I mean, that was a great, great find and was so worth, I don't even, I think we may pay 10 bucks for it or use it for free. Right. Um, there's so many wow. that like have these like little uses where I, I mean, I, chat GBT and then Bard, like Bard's been great. And for what I need, it gives me, I'm typically trying to research something and understand it quickly. And that might take like several days, but uh -huh. I can use those tools and get myself up to speed on something in minutes, like literally minutes. Um, we were playing with right. it at, over lunch today. <laughs> so we were playing with it at lunch today. We found a bunch of tongs uh -huh. in our kitchen here at the office. I mean, we, cause every time we yeah. have delivery uh -huh. brought in, there's always tongs. And so somebody oh, was like, I know I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we're like, how many tongs do we have? And somebody's like, well, we should open a tong store or whatever. And then somebody's like, oh, that sounds like a thong store. Right. And I was like, and so we put in like, what would, what if you had a store that was a tong and thong store and we had chat GPT write an ad for it. And it was freaking hilarious. <laughs> it's the funniest thing I've read <laughs> in my life. Oh, and so, so <laughs> some stuff like that, where it's like, because it gets your creative juices going, right? And it's the thing that I'm an insomniac. So I'll be up at like three o'clock in the morning. I can't really slack anybody because they'd hate me, right? But I can bring up, right. you know, one of these tools and start to have a conversation with it. And I don't need it to do it for me. I want it as a something that like, as a, it's like that a, eternal jumping off point, right? Like, ah, okay, yeah, I could think about it this way. Or, you know, you get stuck, like you got a word and you're like, I think, I need a different word for this. Like what could be a different word? And it mm -hmm. gives it to you so quickly. So I also think I'm a bad Googler, you know, like everybody else knows how to like put search strings in place and get back what they want. And I never really get back from Google what I want, but every time I ask something of one of these tools, it, it's like, it it's totally takes it. And I don't have to really think so hard about how to structure it or get the answer. Mm, yeah. Yeah. There's lots of different uses for it and lots of different ways to implement it. And I don't know, we've used a tool that helps us schedule social media posts at the most opportune times. And instead of guessing, it like yeah. starts to memorize and learn your pro profiles as to when your audience is most 
active or engaging, and then it automatically will schedule out those posts based on it's, you know, machine learning of when it is. And it's been, it really has done a good job at like figuring out the algorithm of when to post things, which I, you know, you're before we had to manually like, okay, maybe on a Sunday at three o'clock, we're getting the most and track it all. And like manually kind of just figure it out and was part intuition part, you know, maybe some data behind it, but this is getting it dialed in. And I love it because then it's just maximizing and making it more efficient. And when we're getting that kind of results, that's what we want. You know, it's what clients want, right? We want the most eyeballs to see our stuff. Yeah. And your clients are paying you for, you know, the intellectual property, like understanding how to apply and use it, those types of things. Like we signed a client, what the, the day I was sold on it, I'd heard about some of what was going on or whatever. And we had a client sign and they were on a platform I'd never heard of. I'd never worked with it. I didn't know anything about it, but that didn't mean that it wasn't a platform other people were using. And so I went in and asked, I was like, so give me, you know, give me a few examples of some companies that use this platform. And it spit out 10 companies in like two minutes, how they used it, what they did with it, whatever. And I was a, I knew everything I needed to know. I knew the kind of company that would use it, how they would use it, all that, that would have taken me hours of research to come up with like what that was and and then I could get into yep. the part that I needed to do. They really don't need or want me. They're hopeful that I'll get up to speed from a research perspective, but they want that to happen as quickly mm-hmm. as possible because they're like, we know these things. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for you like to tell us now, what do I do with it? It's, you know, reading the lab results from uh, a patient who comes in that you don't, the doctor's not going out and drawing the blood and doing all that stuff. They're reading the lab results. The mm-hmm. faster you can get them to them, the faster the doctor can make the diagnosis and help put you on the path right. to where you really want to be. Yeah. Well, and another another way that we've been playing around with using it is um, creating survey questions, yeah. right? I mean, mm-hmm. wording the surveys just right and what not questions biased. to ask. Yeah. And it just, like you said, kind of gives you some additional ideas that maybe you weren't thinking of, or that maybe it's a different way to word something that, you know, will help with drop off where people don't, you know, want to continue on the survey. And like, so that was another thing that we were playing around with is how to word the surveys just right and how many questions and and all that kind of good information that we want when we're doing surveying. So there's, there's another tool, another, another way to use this amazing AI machine learning information that we have at our fingertips now. It's true. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So speaking of other like tools and things in your your podcast, um, tell me more about your podcast and what you do on your show. So I, I, I don't feel like you're like, he never answers the question directly. So back in the day when I owned the research <laughs> company, uh, I hired a marketing firm because we had sort of scaled to the level and we couldn't get over a certain revenue number. And I was like, I don't know why. And so I brought them in and I was one of those kind of behind the scenes persons. I was running the company, but nobody knew me. And so the marketing firm was like, you need to start standing on stages. You need to let people know who you are. And I was like, I don't do that. I'm an introvert. I really like running things kind of Wizard of Oz behind the screens. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the safest thing for me to do, I joined Toastmasters to learn how to give presentations. And then if person I met in Toastmasters was like, Hey, do you want to start a podcast? This was 2011, 2011. And so I started doing a audio only podcast in 2011. 
um, just kind of getting to know entrepreneurs. And it was a way for me to experiment with like being okay with asking questions and getting myself kind of out there in the yeah. world. And so I continued that. I've done so many. I was on the radio for a couple of years interviewing um, entrepreneurs about how to start their business. And with my podcast, I use it today to talk to C-suite executives about marketing and marketing mm -hmm. trends and try to explain because it's changed so often. Typically, they've ended up in that C-suite from when they may have learned marketing back in the day. So like what's new? Like yep. how do they mm -hmm. know how to walk into a conference room and have a conversation about a topic that maybe brand new that everybody's because marketing changes all the time. It's not a set it and forget it thing. You're not like, it's not like we're running the PNL once a month and looking at whether or not we made a profit, right? Like we got to think about, Oh wow. So Google's going to change the entire algorithm in the next 60 days. What does that mean? Right? Mm -hmm. So trying to mm -hmm. keep those that we service up to speed and educate them on what's next and what do they need to be worried yeah. about? Yeah. Very cool. Same thing. Podcasting has been kind of something that I've done off and on pre-pandemic for probably seven, eight years prior to that. And then we saw the pandemic and saw our numbers just rapidly increase. And so we're like, okay, we're doing a weekly podcast because people yeah. want to hear, you know, they want to see and hear what other people are doing. And boy, was I wrong because I thought, oh, surely people aren't going to listen to podcasts anymore because they're just commuting from their couch to their kitchen. There's no time for them to listen. Boy, that's the complete opposite happened, complete right? Opposite. Now they're yeah. listening even more and and downloads are happening and partnerships and collaborations and and same thing. It's like I've met so many amazing people all over the world now that we either work with or collaborate with or, you know, stay in touch with because of podcasting. And yeah. I think it's a, it's a genius way to market. I mean, it is a kind of a slow burn. It takes a while, but you build it up and you grow it. And I imagine, you know, I know that some people who've listened to ours have decided to then start their own podcast. And I've done a podcast on podcasting right. and it's helped that, you know, like you though, being able to ask questions and interview people and kind of be, it's a, it's a nice way to be in the spotlight without actually having to be in the spotlight. So <laughs> that's, that's, um, for those that are listening that want to do a podcast, here's a, here's a testimonial to, as to why, right, Eric? <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, and I, I can, I can say very, uh, strongly that my greatest opportunities for my business have come from the podcast. Like I've had guests on that have That's ended awesome. up being great referral partners. I ended up, I mm -hmm. write for Inc. I've done 160 articles and I can directly relate that back to the podcast I was doing on Entrepreneurial Journey. So it's an incredibly powerful vehicle that not everybody yeah. uses or uses effectively. So yeah. No, that's great. Okay. So let's, let's start to think about wrapping up and I'll have you kind of do a summary, but before I ask you for your final, final thoughts, I want to know what has been kind of your like plan for the next, I don't know, let's say one year, two years, five years, you, you kind of accidentally get, got these things started. What do you, where do you want to go from here now? What's, what's Liger's future hold? Yeah, so we follow we follow EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, which is the based on the book, Gina, yeah, awesome. Gina Wickman. So we have our BHAG, and we're working towards what that kind of ten year goal looks like, and you know, building all nice. the right people in the right seats and those types of things. One nice. of the components of our business is finding 
um, continue to identify deal clients. So clients that we really enjoy working with that understand the value of what we do and what we bring to the table. Um, because those are just more fun. They're just more fun. It's more satisfying, yeah. you know, less of a work for hire feel in that category. Right. So being more selective on that side and also yeah. finding some ways to partner with companies in the success of the marketing that we're bringing to them. So instead of just doing work for hire, how do we make it such that when they're successful with their marketing, the marketing that we do, bringing their product or service up, how can we build a vehicle by which those sales benefit Liger at the end of the day? And so working on those kind of partnerships, because I mean, you know, it's like you're sign a client, bring a client, got to find a client, whatever. How can you also add some kind of recurring revenue streams on the back end? And it's not just paid for hire, right? So that's one of the things that we're working very heavily on as to how to add that as a supplemental income to the company. Nice. I like that a lot. All right. Well, is there anything that I didn't ask you, especially since you are also a podcast host, <laughs> that I should have asked you that I haven't asked you yet? What I will just be, tell Eric? you that that is literally my favorite question in the world. It is how I end every single read. <laughs> I love it. I was a researcher for a period of time because we did I owned the research company and that was that's always my last question. Like, is there a question I didn't ask you that I should have? Right. Cause you always you'll get somebody like, yeah. Oh, I'm surprised you didn't ask me about this or whatever. You did a very thorough job. Yeah. I had a, we we had a very good conversation. We we covered a lot of ground yeah. I didn't necessarily expect to, but I enjoyed doing. So I, I appreciate the time. Good. I know we covered everything from sports to AI. To <laughs> yeah, you found out how little I know about sports is what happened. So yeah. Atlanta, yeah. <laughs> I love that you know what I was talking about with that little uh, the, the. Oh yeah, I know exactly where it is. Okay. I know where, where you're talking about exactly where it is. So yeah. That's cool. Well, thank you so much, Eric, and I really appreciate all of the insights that you shared with us today. And um, to your success, this is awesome. And I love the origin story of Liger and <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. That's awesome. Well, thanks. Anything We're else that you want to share with our audience, and then we'll wrap up from there. No, I mean, if they want to connect, I'm on LinkedIn all the time. So love to talk to people there. You know, don't don't be shy. Like let yourself be known. I'd love to, to chat with others along the journey. We're all, there's plenty of work and plenty of opportunities for all of us in this category to, to do some really great things. Absolutely. Thank you, Eric. And for those of you listening, the best thing that you can do for Eric and I both is what, what what's the best thing that a listener can do for us? They can share this content. Like, yeah, share the content across to yeah. their network, comment <laughs> on it. Don't just like it, comment, like, tell us what you thought. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's right. Yes, exactly. And give us a review. That's always like gold, I say. Uh, yeah. So thank you, Eric. I really appreciate you today. Thank you so much. And until next time, everyone, enjoy your marketing journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.